the Truth News Network. It is your circus. They are your monkeys. How are you going to manage the rings? A little help, a little vision, a little wisdom that comes from truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. And here we are, the beginning of a brand new week. And that means what? That means your week's going to be a good one. Listen, there's plenty of bad things that we can talk about. And we do, sadly, talk about bad things. Things that are, you know, kind of fishy. You just don't get a good, clean feeling about them. We do that way too often. But it's because we have to. We promise you, we will tell you the truth. And we'll tell you the truth about everything. Good, bad, or ugly. And oh, by the way, there is no such thing as your truth and my truth. Truth lives all by itself. And all we have to do is find ways to shine a light on it, and it will take care of itself. I don't need to go into an argument with anybody about, well, you know, I heard this, or I saw that, or do you believe this? I don't need to go into that. What I need is for you and everyone that you love, every friend that you have, every member of your family, every people that work in your world, maybe work for you, or maybe you work for them. Everybody needs to bite in to the facts of life. And that's everything from the crazy healthcare issues we're dealing with today, and we have been for years, economic issues, immigration issues, political issues. Every sector of your life is under attack every day. None of us are exempt. I don't know about you, but I, I weary. I get really tired mentally, emotionally, and exhausted almost daily now. It's like you go into this particular atmosphere and you immerse yourself into compromise, uh, evil, lies, all of those things rolled into one thing, lack of enforcing criminal laws any kind of laws, federal laws of every kind. And what that does, it gets all over you, it gets in you, and you begin to worry. Worry and fear are the two most egregious weapons that the opposition uses against Christians and conservatives of every oak. I'm not talking about Christianity, I'm not talking about Islam, I'm not talking about any of the religions on the planet. I'm talking about our God, a creator who gave us a roadmap, who gave us all the rules and obligations we need to follow to live the right way. This nation, I don't care what the people on the left, the woke crowd, what they say about it, this nation was established on Christian principles. And by the way, which of those Christian principles do you not think are right, that you think are wrong? Which of those might they be? Answer's pretty easy. You can't think of one. You can't think of anyone. So why push back against facts? Why try to hide the truth? Why try to run away from the truth? Why not just go ahead and embrace it? Let me give you a suggestion. 
If you don't already have one, create a relationship with your creator. Create a relationship with God. How do you do that? Talk to them. How do you have a relationship with your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend? I know the woke crowd will get after me because I'm gender speaking and you can't do that anymore. That's a perfect example. There are millions of Americans that are afraid to address anybody because you don't know which pronoun to use in any case because if you dare offend anybody, you automatically get that scarlet letter on your forehead and they determine what the letter is actually going to be, which letter. It may be a scarlet A, like in the book, adulterous. Or it may be a big M. That means, of course, you're a MAGA supremacist. Isn't this, it's almost comical. It's so ridiculous. But you and I, we live in that world today. So what are we going to do today? Yeah, we've got a debacle at our southern border. Didn't get any better through the weekend, I'm sad to say. In fact, more and more facts come out that prove that it's actually worse than we first thought. On today's show, you're going to hear from some people saying some things that it might shock a few of you. Maybe. It may not. You may be like me. I don't get surprised or shocked about very much of anything nowadays because it's pretty much on the other side of everything. Anything goes. If they feel that it should be the way that they want it to be, they just go ahead and act like it's that way. Reality, truth, eh doesn't matter. I've got my truth, and I'm going to live by my truth. You live by yours, but don't you dare get in the way of mine. We may not be told that in those exact words, but that's exactly what happens in the way they live and want you and I to live in a state of confusion and fear. And of course, they control all the rules. So anything you say, anything you do, unless it fits their narrative, you're evil. You're wrong. They're going to put that big M on your forehead. And you can be a misgender. You can be a xenophobe, a homophobe, a transphobe, all of the phobias that you can come up with. You you may already be living in those categories, and you just don't know it, but you wait long enough. Somebody's going to come by and say, hey, there, xenophobe. How you handling the day-to-day? Why are you a MAGA white supremacist. We're going to start the show with a story coming out of California, California Governor Gavin Newsom. And we're going to work our way during the show down to the southern border. You're going to hear from Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. You're going to hear him say some things that are going to blow your mind. You haven't seen or heard them. Why haven't you seen or heard them? Because they're negative, they're bad, they're stupid, and they suborn treason. Ooh. Dan, you're going to get ugly today. I promise. I'm not going to scream today. I may raise my voice a little bit, but I'm not going to holler. We're going to have an information together, and we're going to learn together today. Like a
nothing on a Monday morning, nothing at all, (laughs) especially in the contentious environment that we find ourselves in. Nothing is better than to start the show off than a good rock and roll, old time rock and roll sound of the Eagles. How long has this been going on? It's from their very last album they did together. I know, I know they're minus one of their stars. Glenn Fry, he died of of uh, liver failure several years ago. And they're still, they can, they can, and they've gone on tour, as you know, live tour the Eagles have. And Glenn Fry's son has stepped in and uh, played his part in some of the concerts. I know it's not the same. I mean, that song you just heard, singing lead, it was Glenn Fry. He wrote most of the Eagles' big hits. As you can tell, I love music. I just flat out love music. And it's a place that any time that I need to go somewhere to get away from something, maybe not forget about it. Maybe it's a big, bad, ugly thing and it's important in my life and I've got to address it at some point. Maybe I just want to take a an hour-long vacation away from it and get away. I just throw myself into listening to good music. And I know that's subjective. I'm sure if I told you some of the songs that I really like, the genre that I really care for, my favorite musical genre. I'll just be honest and tell you, I love smooth jazz. I do Michael Franks. Have you ever even heard of Michael Franks? He's had several top 40 hits out 
back in, the, I guess, maybe the 90s. Your Secret Safe With Me was one of the biggest ones. But he's the master of smooth jazz. Vocalist, got a high voice, writes well, plays guitar. He always travels with an with a amazing group of musicians around him. I'm a keyboard player. His keyboard player that's been with him for, uh, gosh, I bet 20, 25 years is one of the best in the nation. And their stuff, their songs just fit together. Tell you what I'll do. Closing the show today, I'll play you one of my favorite Michael Frank songs. How about that? And you can get a taste of my taste of music. And then you might could do, you might enjoy it. You might like it, but then you might could do like our two daughters do. Whenever they're around and I'm playing Michael Frank stuff, they'll go, ooh, elevator music. It is nothing. (laughs) Smooth jazz, real smooth jazz is nothing like elevator music. So what does all of that have to do with life today in the United States of America? Let me tell you how blessed you are to live in the United States of America. I am sitting as we speak in Zimbabwe, Africa. Harare, which is the capital city of Zimbabwe in Africa. I've been here for a week. I'm on my way home. After this show, I'm getting set to head out for good old Louisiana. And you can probably imagine that getting to Louisiana is a little bit more than jumping in a car and driving across an interstate for, you know, three or four hours. <laughs> how about how about 20 hours of flying to get home? Been in meetings for a week, just phenomenal meetings, much information. You over the next few months will hear about some of the uh, results and products and you'll see some of the things that have come out of it. It's one of those things, I don't know about you, I like to travel. The older I get, I hate traveling by myself. My gorgeous wife of 48 years, she didn't make the trip with us. Somebody's got to hold down the fort. Um, I've traveled internationally way more than she has. In fact, her first, besides a trip to Mexico, and she's been to Canada, but besides places like that, her first big trip, we took together back at the end of February into March, As you know, we spent 10 days in Israel, and we broadcast the show live every day from either northern Israel. We stayed there for two days, and then down in the southern part of Jerusalem for the rest of uh, the trip. But I've been been all over the world. I was just looking, looking through some of the stamps when you go in and out of different countries and go through customs. And I looked at one of my trips, and my trip involved going from the U.S. to Zurich, Switzerland, from Zurich, Switzerland to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and then back to Zurich, and then back through the U.K., through Britain, back to Louisiana. And not long after that, I flew to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, directly from the U.S. So I went west. I flew from... Shreveport to Houston, Houston to Narita, which is where the Tokyo, Japan airport is, from Narita down to Kuala Lumpur, and then back to the U.S. And I looked and I said, do you realize, Dan, that you flew around the world? You didn't do it in the same trip, but I had flown and did fly directly from Shreveport to Zurich to Kuala Lumpur, and of course back in that one trip. But on the next trip, 
I flew from Kuala Lumpur back to the United States. That's that's around the world. And I've been in I've been in China sporadically. Uh, where else have I been? In European countries. I love the world, but I as I get older, I want my wife to be with me every time we go anywhere. And sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. I think she's listening to me. I really do. I, we talked on the phone a little bit ago, and she said she was going out in the yard and she was going to take her headphones out, was going to listen to the show. Because I am in Zimbabwe, what does that mean I'm going to miss tomorrow? Mother's Day. And I hate that. We lost Marianne's mother at 97 years old early this year. This is going to be her first Mother's Day without having her mother. And I wanted to be with her, with Marianne, our two daughters, our son. We're all a very close family. And I just want to say this to you, baby. Happy Mother's Day. You're the best mother I've ever known. As much you knew my mother well, she knew you well, and she adored you. And as good a mother as she was, and as good a grand as she was to our babies, you are 10 times better as a mother. And you're okay as a wife, too. (laughs) But anyway, happy birthday. Happy birthday? Happy Mother's Day, Marianne. And by the way, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there that are listening in. I want you to have a beautiful week, a beautiful week. Now, I said when we opened the show, it's Monday. This show you are hearing is a Monday show, but it's being recorded for broadcast on Monday. And that's why I said tomorrow is Mother's Day. I hope you got all of that and you put it all together. If you didn't, shoot me an email and I'll explain it to you. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Now, I told you we were going to start the show talking about something that Governor Gavin Newsom in California announced himself, and it's not a good thing. Now, put this, what I'm about to tell you, put it in the context of what he's been doing the last few months. He had felt like the Democrat Party should anoint him to be the Democrat candidate for president in 2024, displacing Joe Biden. He is one of those that I I obviously think he doesn't believe President Biden's going to run for re-election and that the Democrats are going to have to choose somebody else. So he went out on a, a tour around the nation. One of his hot spots he went to was to convince voters in Florida that he was the obvious best choice to be the next president. And of course, he put that in the context of a verbal battle that he through the previous months and I think even a year or two had had with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's a very conservative Republican. And he went out there and he did some ads and ran some ads and tried to convince people there. And he went to a couple of other states doing the same thing. And he failed miserably. It looks like he got the lesson. Nobody wants him to run for president and many people don't want him to be the governor of California. And what he came out and admitted over the weekend may give everybody a reasonable understanding of why a lot of people don't want him as president. He announced that the Golden State's budget deficit is a paltry $10 billion higher than he had predicted earlier this year. 
He said during a press conference that the California budget deficit has grown to about $32 billion. That's about $10 billion more than he said was going to be a deficit back in January when he offered his very first budget proposal of the year. He said, we have a $31.5 billion challenge, which is well within the margin of expectation and well within our capacity to address. California, by the way, has the largest budget in the nation of any of the states at $306 billion. $306 billion. It's one of the few states to have a shortfall this year. Remember, the nation's coming out of COVID-19. More and more people have gone back to work. Companies, stores, retail, autos, everything's come back. And so people are making money, paying taxes. And so the governments of the states are doing a whole lot better than they have been doing in the past. Some say it's due part to a progressive tax code that relies on wealthy taxpayers whose income is closely tied to the performance of the stock market. That's what's going on. A lot of people say out in California, a bunch of rich people, the richer they are, you may, you're going to pay higher taxes and taxes in California will strangle you. But if you're wealthy, if you're one of those wealthy people at the top of the economic spectrum, you know who they are. They're those evil people that aren't paying their fair share, right? By the way, those are the people that he appeals to. He's one of them. In January, he proposed a bunch of ideas to cover their deficit, including about $9.6 billion in spending cuts. Sounds good, right? Well, it hits some of the state's ambitious climate programs. Oh, no. Oh, no. Gavin, you can't go against the Green Deal, the new Green Deal, the Green New Deal, whatever or however they say it. His latest, his last proposal includes about another $1 billion in spending cuts. Some of that comes from clawing back money that wasn't spent in different programs, including those designed to provide tax refunds and help people with their utility bills. He's making up the rest of the deficit by shifting expenses, taking some money from the state safety net reserve. And of course, the age-old tool for budget attacks, borrowing more money. He said this was not an easy budget, but I hope you see we're we're going to try to do our best to hold the line, take care of the most vulnerable and most needy, but still maintain prudence, he said. So his office sent out a press release, said it was prepared for the shortfall with the governor and legislature paying down the state's prior debts, building unprecedented reserves, and prioritizing one-time investments. That's a nice way of saying, look, we don't have enough money to run the government right now, so what we're doing is we're going to give out a bunch of IOUs and probably we're going to tell some people that got paid last year they're not going to get paid this year. Why? Because we're kicking you to the curb. It'll be a potpourri of things that they do to try to address it, and if it's not effective they'll, at the end of the year, they'll say, you know what? You were part of it. You were right there with us. We tried, and it just couldn't happen, but we're going to do better next year. That sounds kind of like somebody I want in the White House. I don't know about you. I think he'd be hard-pressed to be the guy that would go up against Donald Trump should Trump be the Republican nominee. I think, to be honest with you right now, I don't think there's 
a Democrat out there that has a snowball's chance in hell of beating Donald Trump in 2024, even with all of the stuff they're throwing at Trump to try to disqualify him in the eyes of the American people. I just don't see it happening. Now, things change, and even though we're, you know, just a little over a year and a half away from the election, there's still plenty of time for all the polls to go south. Believe it or not, our nation to get in more and deeper trouble. Who knows what's going to happen? It's a long time to election day, and there will be a plethora of campaign promises, allegations, lies, you name it. Just get set. This is, whether we want to admit it or not, we're already in an election cycle. Another story coming out of the West Coast, the Golden State, today. One California lawmaker has warned black residents about this reparations thing to be realistic. Seven-figure checks, he said, is just not going to happen. California Democrat State Senator Stephen Bradford, he's the guy warning African Americans not to get their hopes up for those $1.2 million reparation checks that Gavin Newsom's Reparation Task Force came down. I don't know how they pulled that number out of the air, but that's what they want and think that should be paid to every black California citizen. His message comes after that Reparations Task Force militantly said, you gotta pay us each $1.2 million. So the state lawmaker, who served on that task force himself, by the way, claimed that it's possible that black residents could get some cash payments if the money's there, but he argued that getting million-dollar checks in repayment for historical discrimination is not going to happen. The reparations panel held a public meeting up in Oakland over the weekend, voted on the final set of recommendations to be sent to the state's legislators. In addition to those $1.2 million payments, the panel recommended the state apologize to black residents. Apologize. For what? We could spend all day discussing this thing. It's full of holes. U.S. Representative Barbara Lee, Democrat from California, who was at the meeting, stated after it was over, reparations are not only morally justifiable, but they have the potential to address long-standing racial disparities and inequalities. But Bradford told those potential recipients not to expect huge payouts when the government hasn't figured out yet where the money would come from. Just as you heard us talk about a few minutes ago, California's got a few holes in their pockets. They can't pay their bills without going and borrowing some more money. Do you think Californians should borrow $800 billion more dollars to pay reparations? Well, you know, there's a moral justification for it. Dan, you need to get off the high horse. You need to quit being a MAGA white supremacist and just recognize the evil that happened, the slavery evil that happened to the black Californians. Uh, well, California became a state. One of their tenants when they became a state is slavery was not allowed. No slaves in California. Hmm. 
Put that in your peace pipe. Well, you're one of those, you're, you're a bald-headed white guy with a beard and an earring. You've got to be a supremacist. And of course, you're a Trump supporter. No, listen, I'm the supporter. I'm not even a registered Republican. I'm the supporter of who I deem after prayer and research is the most qualified person to run in 2024 for the presidency. Now, what does qualified mean in my definition? It means conservative, does not want the government to grow any bigger, in fact, wants to reduce the government, doesn't want to increase taxes on any Americans. No time, nowhere in U.S. history have tax increases increased government revenue and made things better economically for the American people. In fact, the exact opposite is true. Remember Donald Trump's tax cuts? Top to bottom, everybody got a tax break. He rolled it out there in the campaign for his presidency run in 2016. He implemented them with Congress shortly after he was elected. And from the very first fiscal year of the Trump presidency, our government revenue went through the roof. Our tax receipts went through the roof while Americans' taxes, obligations to the IRS, went down across the board. In other words, people kept more money in their pockets, but while doing so, their lives got better economically. They made more money. They paid lower taxes overall, and the government still had more money to spend. Back to the California reparations that shouldn't be reparations, and it wouldn't be. If they receive anything, African-American people in California, beyond what they have earned from the sweat of their brow, it will be an egregious, I'm trying to think of the right, right word, theft of people's money because there is no way to justify it. That state representative told residents to have the same outlook, saying, I don't want to set folks' expectations and hopes up that they're going to be getting, you know, seven-figure checks. It's not going to happen. His comments, I guarantee they rubbed some folks the wrong way. L.A. resident reparations activist Marcus Champion, here's what he said, that is not the way you come to the table to pay a historic debt. Historic debt. Where?" is the contract between Californians and anybody. I don't care who, but anybody. Where's a contract that says that paying $1.2 million to every African-American person in California is what has got to be done via contract? It's a debt. There's no such thing. And you can even say that if you throw out what I told you, that California, when it was established, became a state in the Union, was a slave-free state. There were no slaves in California. L.A. Democrat Assemblyman Reggie Jones-Sawyer echoed Bradford's caution, and he said, we have absolutely no idea right now what will or will not be approved by the legislature. But yet, they're out there screaming and hollering, doing their darn best to make it a big, big, big deal. Keep the uproar out there. And they don't care if they get paid just to quieten their demands and for them to just go away and leave 
California's government alone or if they figure out it's not legitimate, I don't care why. But Americans, Californians, they're already tired of hearing from it. Somebody owes me something and somebody's got to pay me something. Well, who should pay it? Why should they pay it? And how much should they pay it? They'll never reach consensus on any of those things. And then it all boils down to this. They want me, yeah, I'm a white person. They want me, and I wasn't around back then. And by the way, I've never owned a slave. They want me to pay people that were never slaves. They want me to pay them something just because of skin color? I don't know about you, but where I'm from, that's considered hypocrisy, and that's considered evil. But you know what else it's considered? Racism. So is that really what they're trying to teach Americans, teach Californians, these reparation committee members? Is that what the lesson is? And it boils down to one thing. They're saying you can only cure racism with racism. Two negatives offset, I guess. I don't know. I can't figure out the logic. You know why? There's nothing logical about it. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell and Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell and Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men. Before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell and Cordell. A partner men can count on. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby? No. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. No, wait a minute. We don't have an election until fall of 2024. How could it be election season? They're pontificating now. They're campaigning now. Every spot in the U.S. House of Representatives is up for grabs 
in November of 2024. Every two years, they run either to be elected to replace someone else that has been in the Congress or to win re-election. I mean, that's the way it is. So we're in an election cycle. (laughs) It's election season already, and we don't like it. I know, I know. We're going to hear and see campaign ads for a year and a half. Oh, my gosh. And this fall in Louisiana and some of the other states, it's an off-year gubernatorial election coming up in November. So it's pretty much year-round. We're in election cycle across the nation. So speaking about across the nation, what's the 900-pound gorilla in our room? You can't say 900-pound gorilla, Dan. That's racist. I know everything I say can be, and in many cases there are people that interpret it as being racist. Therefore, I am racist. I voted for Donald Trump, so I'm not just a racist. I'm a MAGA extremist racist. Oh, my gosh. The woke crowd. I'm not woke. I have no intention of being woke. I'm honest. I'm honest. And if you don't know me, you don't have any right to say anything negative about me. And to be honest about this, even if you do know me, You don't have the right to call me names. I don't call you names. Let's just talk about facts. Let's just do some true stuff. So, yes, our southern border is wide open. Sarah Carter's down at the southern border. I heard just before we went live her talk about people from the Department of Homeland Security are actually going over the border at the south Texas border with Mexico. And they're telling, teaching people, immigrants that want to get across the Rio Grande River into South Texas, and there are National Guard, Texas National Guards people that are standing on the opposite shore, the U.S. shore, along with a bunch of Border Patrol folks. They have guns in their hands. Hopefully and prayerfully, they won't need to use them, but Homeland Security people on Alejandro Mayorkas' watch, Homeland Secretary, they're going into Mexico and teaching these people, directing these people, guiding those people on how to get through and across and into the United States of America. That's just one thing happening. So we're now, what, 48 hours into the end of Title 42 and the floodgates are open? What's happened so far down at the southern border? Here's a summary. The breaking news overnight, Title 42, the pandemic era immigration policy is officially over. And we're gonna talk with the Homeland Security Secretary in a moment, but first, we're live on both sides of the border this morning. Maria Virial is gonna start us off in El Paso. Good morning, Maria. Hey, good morning, Michael. There were concerns and predictions that once Title 42 ended, we would see a rush of migrants at the southern border. That didn't happen here in El Paso, Texas, but what we did see was 150 migrants dropped off at the school behind me that is now being used as a shelter, the first group so far. This morning, as Title 42 officially comes to an end, migrants amassing along the U.S. border with a surge of American authorities waiting on the other side. We have a lot of different agencies here, as you can see. Plus, there's even more just on standby, if needs be. 
As of midnight, most asylum applications in the U.S. now require two things. Non-Mexican migrants must first apply for and be denied asylum in another country. And migrants will have to make an appointment on the CBP-1 app. If the rules aren't followed, migrants face deportation and are not allowed to enter the U.S. for at least five years. Overnight, a federal judge temporarily blocking part of the White House's plan to address border crossings, barring federal agencies from releasing migrants before they've been given a notice to appear in court. Amid already overcrowded facilities and millions of cases already on the court's backlog, Customs and Border Protection calling the ruling harmful, saying it will undercut our ability to efficiently process and remove migrants and risks creating dangerous conditions for Border Patrol agents and migrants. That overcrowding exacerbated in Title 42's final days. Large groups of migrants rushing to the southern border to beat the clock. Four days. This family with four children waiting to get processed near the border wall in El Paso for four days. One of the last groups to come through before new steeper consequences set in. U.S. Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz confirming already there are 26,000 people in custody. To relieve the pressure, officials flying asylum seekers to other parts of the country for processing. And overnight, an El Paso city-run shelter receiving several busloads of migrants. And the Biden administration overnight taking another hit. The ACLU confirming they are now suing the government over what they are calling the travel bed. That is the consequence that says that you have to go through another country and be denied asylum before you could come here to the United States. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We just need to let anybody and everybody come on through. I mean, that's what it's all about. And we do know those Mexican cartels that are charging as much as $15,000 a person. They need their money. They're charging illegals that. And oh, by the way, if you don't have the money, they'll take what you have and they'll band your kids, the ones that are going with you. They'll put different colored bands on their wrists so that when they get on the other side, you know, Mayorkas and Biden, they just letting them go, go anywhere. The cartel members will know where they are and they'll go knocking on doors where they are and threaten them threaten to take kids and put them in sex trafficking, adults into human trafficking. It's been happening now since Biden became president. It's nothing new. They're just ramping it up. Oh, well, this is the United States of America. We're giving everybody the right to do whatever they want to do. I mean, after all, it's part of the Constitution, right? No, it's not. I hear it quoted that way all the time. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No guarantees. You get to go out and make a life for yourself and do it within the law or don't come. We'll get into that later. You didn't hear Mayorkas in that soundbite. I I cut it off there. You're going to hear from him later. So, no credible person can argue today that our border is not in crisis mode. It is. And of course, you do know that factually right now, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, Custom and Border Protection, Border Patrol agents, ICE agents, everybody is on point to make sure the crisis is taken care of. They've got it handled. Mayorkas has told us that from the very beginning. Oh, it'll be a challenge. 
but we know how to make it work and work the right way. He doesn't even mention the fact that his definition of the right way has nothing to do with enforcing federal immigration laws. He doesn't believe in those. In fact, we yesterday, we played sound bites of him blaming Congress for not giving him more money. That this rush to the southern border and the massive illegal immigration that's happened, it's somebody else's fault. So what are his plans? What's his border patrol? What's his homeland security? What are their plans to mitigate this crisis? I want to bring in now Sheriff Mark Daniels, the sheriff for Cochise County, which is along the Arizona-Mexico border. Sheriff, as always, appreciate your time this morning. We had heard from the federal government, from the Secretary of Homeland Security, that it was going to be chaotic, and the Biden administration's plan on immigration was going to take some time. Are you seeing that play out right now in your county? Uh, Marty, thanks for having me again. Let me say what we're seeing playing out, and that is a border in crisis disaster mode. There's no doubt about it. What's coming across in Yuma, which the sheriff whether and I talk, Texas, and also here, and what we're dealing with is not manageable control. I mean, what he's stating are hollow words. They're shallow words by the secretary. We're, we do not have a plan. Secretary Marcus keeps talking about this plan. I've heard Title VIII. Title VIII's a, a statutory authority that immigration CBP's had for years. I mean, that's what they work off of. So if that's your plan, that is basic in nature. What is the plan to address the surge? What is the a plan to address border security, which has been lost in this whole conversation? So I always ask the question, who has the better plan? The transnational organizations, the criminal cartels that are pushing a lot of this, the drugs, the trafficking, to include the smuggling, or Secretary Marcus, who has not shared the plan with us. Right, and that's the biggest problem, right? The component that if the plan doesn't trickle down to the people like you who are on the front lines and your deputies wake up every day and are dealing with the cartels and illegal migrant crossings, then what? Um, what is the structure? I mean, has it always been like that, that you're hearing, as you told me last night through the meet or last time through the media, the plan? That's still what we're hearing. I still do not have a plan. I mean. We, ha we had a, uh, a meeting yesterday. We applauded our board agents, all the police chiefs of my county and law enforcement, just for what they're going through. I really wish, Marty, that the opportunity would rise that the border patrol agents working on the border from Texas to California could get on your show and tell you exactly how fractured it is. Because I hear it every day from them and how frustrated they are. So when Secretary Marcus says all these comfort words, he's very good at the Webster Dictionary. The reality is so much different down here. And your viewers, and I appreciate you having me on there because they need to hear that. And I'll just tell you, last night we had an immigration bus breakdown down here at the border of my county where they're bringing uh, migrants that came across the border, most of them illegally, being bused to my county to be processed by my border patrol agents on my border and then released in the state of Arizona. Just like in Texas, the state of Arizona and the governor I just met the other day, we are busting them out here to what I call humane resources where they have them, not in a county like mine. We don't have a transit system. So they're busting up. We're taking their responsibility. They are leaving them in my county. The federal government is, Secretary Mayorkas, busting them here from all over the southwest border and abandoning them after they're processed. Now let's talk about humanitarian on that. We have to get them to these NGOs. If we're going to do this, which uh, I I have a lot of thoughts on that. If we're going to do that, at least get them down here, process them, take them back to where they need to go. But that's not happening either. 
So what you're telling me, and the secretary said, if people cross illegally under Title VIII, they will be swiftly returned to their country and they could face a five-year penalty, a ban from coming into the U.S. In the last 12 hours since Title 42 expired, you are seeing the opposite. Marty, we're seeing just the opposite. Let's, let's talk about two things he said. Number one is you will immediately be sent back to Mexico. We know that's not happened. Sheriffs in Texas will tell you the same thing. I'll tell you the same thing. I mean, and they keep saying we're vetting them. How do you vet people from foreign countries that we have no system of, we have no interoperability with those systems? They could be a serial killer in that country. We would not know that. How are we gonna know that? Uh, unless they're a fugitive, uh, got a global fugitive warrant, which is very rare. So bottom line is this, we don't know what they've done in those countries. I, I, get, I, get, I was told by um, an individual from Texas the other day that they had an individual 20 year old come in, say I was looking for work, he was processed without even claiming credible fear of asylum. They processed him, he was gone. So this system of, you know, they're gonna remove him under Title VIII, I respect it if you enforce the rule of law. We have an open border, that's why they keep coming. They incentivize people to come here. As of yesterday, I was found out that, as you know, the reversal just came out of Florida, that they weren't even giving them court dates. Border Patrol was furious. They haven't done that for over 16 years. And the reason they're doing that is optics again. Get them off the border, get them in the country, and whack like it never happened. We got to enforce the rule of law on our border, and we have to secure our border because the consequences for drugs trafficking, cartels are involved in this. Cartels have a plan, and their plan is working right now. And once some of these migrants show up in your county, are they part of the groups that are being bused to other communities as well? What happens after they go through this process? We have state buses. Arizona is funding state buses to come down here to pick them up. Now, they're not required to get on these buses. Some walk away. Most of them are being very obedient right now, getting on the buses because they don't know. But the bottom line is this. Arizona, we're, they're still trying to establish the fund line to handle this. Again, is this a state problem or is this a federal problem? But they're busing to communities like mine all, all along the southwest border to be processed and released. Finish the game. You're going to bus them here. Finish them, bust them out of here too. Wait a minute. I thought that story was going to be about what the Customs and Border Patrol and Homeland Security, what their plans are to take care of this crisis. Hmm. I didn't hear any plans. <laughs> you know why? Well, let's let's just segue right into Vice President Kamala Harris. You remember her. She was appointed border czar by President Biden way back in 2021. She's the one that's been working out all the kinks. Remember, she came out that afternoon, the same afternoon that he announced she was going to be the border czar. He didn't call her that, but she was going to be responsible for everything that happened regarding immigration at the southern border. She came out that afternoon herself, and she clarified the role that she was going to take. And the president misspoke when he called her the person that was going to be totally responsible, 100% responsible for what happened at the southern border. Her cure for it all was she was going to spend time with those Central American nations down there, helping them understand how to make their nations a place where their citizens want to stay and live, which means we're going to teach them how to run their countries equitably regarding economic opportunity do away with corruption, yada, 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 yada. She didn't make one or two trips down there, but she certainly didn't do any good and certainly didn't do anything.
that would qualify for her to be named anybody's borders are in any country on the planet. But she is engaged in this. You'll be happy to know what she's doing this very week to take care of this problem. She's scheduled to be at the Spring Soiree on Friday in Atlanta. And the private fundraiser hosted by the Democrat National Committee. These events, this is the very beginning of the Biden-Harris campaign push. And so what do you have to do when you're pushing your campaign? You've got to raise as much money as you can for the 2024 election cycle. Believe it or not, our president, he made it clear to everybody when he did that televised announcement, nothing live, but his televised announcement that he was going to run for re-election, he included now Vice President Kamala Harris as his running mate. Many thought he would have kicked her to the curb, and he probably should have. Harris is going to be attending the fundraisers instead of visiting the U.S.-Mexico border in her capacity as the border czar. And you know, that's down there where 400,000 border crossers and illegals are expected to come to the southern border Every month, got a great start on it in May already. Title 42, which ended Thursday, last Thursday, 11.59 p.m. Title 42 was a federal public health authority that aimed to control the border, and it expired last Thursday. House Republicans passed legislation, H.R. 2, on Thursday, which was to codify some of former President Trump's strictest border policies that worked. But the legislation still has to get through the Senate and after the Senate, the White House. Not very promising that it's going to happen but because Biden said he's going to veto it if it comes to his desk. In an article about what happens when the Trump era rule ends, what's likely to be happening this week, 400,000 border crossers and illegals coming to the southern border every month, which exceeds the populations of some big cities. The New York Post reported the vice president's office was reluctant to share any specific plans that she has to address the border crisis in coming days. But a White House official defended her engagement and plans. Here's what we were told. Harris has been engaged and regularly briefed on preparations for the end of public health emergency measures, that includes Title 42, while continuing to make progress addressing the root causes of migration from Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. If you talk to the president of El Salvador, he says she hadn't come down here and done any good whatsoever. Since Biden announced her that she was going to be the border czar March of 2021, Republicans have ramped up almost daily their criticism of her for her lack of effort and being hesitant to even go to the southern border to see firsthand what's going on down there. It's politics, folks. That's all it is. Rank politics. Who can get the most stuff in our pockets in the way of green to support our campaigns? And what do we have to do to make people be totally divided against each other if they're conservative or if they're leftist? 
And when they find those ways, they execute them, put them in practice, and oh my gosh, they're reaping great results. Our nation has never before been this divided. Well, maybe the Civil War, but after that, wait a minute, I just thought about what I said. Civil War? Are we headed for another Civil War? Oh my God, I certainly hope not. What else is important in the news today? You're going to hear from Anthony, not, I started to say Anthony Fauci. I meant to say Alejandro Mayorkas, two peas out of the same pod though. Globalists don't like borders, want people to be able to walk in and out of any and every country on the planet. And oh, by the way, Fauci wants to vaccinate every one of them with COVID-19 vaccinations, even our kids, even our kids. You got that? <laughs> he wants he wants to vaccinate every one of our kids, but you know who he doesn't want and he didn't do to set up a vaccine program for? Illegals coming across the southern border who none of their personal health care information is known in any way by any agency of the federal government. It's impossible to keep up with it. So what's Biden's answer? What's Mayorka's answer? Hey, we'll just go ahead and let them in. We're giving to give them free health care so if they get sick, they'll go to the hospital. And American taxpayers will pay for them to go into the uh, intensive care unit and get all those expensive, very expensive medicines put in their arms at the expense of the American taxpayer. After all, we're getting what we wanted done. We're flooding the nation with potential and future Democrats. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world. We got it from here. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back. And I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did. But now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right. All that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 toasted cheddar chalupa box, only at Taco Bell. 
Well, we'll, we'll get back into um, our Border Patrol ICE issues down at our southern border as these hundreds of thousands of illegals are fighting to get into the United States and are willing to do it without abiding by the rule of law. They don't really give a rip, do they? Because they don't have to. With this group of Democrats running our government, they can do pretty much what they want to get done. Other news today. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, he announced that he gave the go-ahead for the very first transfer of some of the confiscated Russian assets to give that, that money, big money, to Ukraine. The Department of Justice charged a man named Konstantin Malofilev, a Russian oligarch, with breaching sanctions imposed on Russia after its invasion of Ukraine a year ago. The U.S. claimed he had provided funds to Russians who were promoting separatism in Crimea. Malofilev accumulated his wealth through investments in a bunch of different industries, including banking, telecom, and media. The AG also revealed that last year, authorities had seized millions of dollars from an account at a U.S. financial institution that could be linked to Malofilev's Malofilevs. It's a Russian name. Anyway, they could be linked to his sanctioned violations. In February, he authorized the transfer of that money to Ukraine. While this represents the U.S.'s first transfer of forfeited funds for the rebuilding of Ukraine, it will not be our last. This, what they call expropriated money, will be sent for the reconstruction of Ukraine in response to Moscow's military operations. In case you forgot, they began in February a year ago. We're more than a year into this quote-unquote war. Congress passed a law in December of last year that directs the Department of State to award certain dollars and cents from confiscated Russian assets to Ukraine. A.G. Garland announced the first transfer in February that involved 5.4 million seized mostly from the same guy's investment into a Texas bank. At the same time, Garland announced something else, Task Force Klepto Capture. Klepto capture, which involved a group of prosecutors, agents, analysts, translators, and other DOJ personnel, and other law enforcement partners even, who have been prosecuting an effective seizure against sanction enablers of the Kremlin and Russian military. We're also exercising new authority granted by Congress to transfer certain assets we've seized from Russia for the rebuilding of Ukraine. Earlier this month, I authorized the first ever transfer of such assets to the State Department to support the people of Ukraine. Do you think that's going to work? Do you think that any type of sanction by the U.S. on Russia itself, on Vladimir Putin himself, or any of the oligarchs, is any of that going to cause Vladimir Putin to pull out of Ukraine? You know the answer just as well as I do. Heck no. I bet you Vlad would love to have $1,000 for every such egregious piece of legislation or executive order that has been put on him and the Russian people throughout the years. 
He knows how to skirt them. He knows how to get around them. This isn't going to make any difference to him. It's doing nothing but making him or think these people that are doing this think they're going to make him look bad. In the middle of all of our illegal immigration woes, Texas did some legislation, passed some that has nothing to do with southern border stuff, but it's pretty important. They ban, they put a ban on gender modification for minors. And it's not in law yet, but it did get by one major hurdle. They cleared that hurdle to pass a ban on child gender modification surgery and hormones after fierce resistance from Democrats and pro-transgender protesters. The vote came almost exclusively down party lines May the 11th, and it came after five hours of debate on Senate Bill 14. It included a bunch of attempts by Democrats to water down the bill through 19 proposed amendments. So what's in the bill? It prohibits treatment, treatment for childhood gender dysphoria, and that includes surgeries that sterilize kids, such as removing parts of their reproductive systems, mastectomies, and prescribing drugs that induce temporary or permanent infertility, things like cross-sex hormones, or removing any other healthy or non-diseased body part. Children today that are on hormones for gender dysphoria would have to be weaned off the hormones, according to the bill. Should it get passed and signed into law, if it gets through both houses, the House and the Senate in the Texas legislature, you can book it, Governor Abbott's going to sign it into law. It gives the Attorney General the ability to enforce those laws. Doctors who perform gender modification on kids are going to lose their medical licenses to even practice in Texas. One Republican state rep, a guy named Tom Olivson, who sponsored Companion Bill, House Bill 1686, shepherded SB 14 through the House. Dr. Oliverson, who told Epoch News last week he looked forward to discussing the bill in public, said there's no high-quality scientific evidence that puberty blockers of any kind, cross-sex hormones of any kind, or surgery help children overcome gender dysphoria. Now, why would anybody... A doctor, Dr. Oliverson, why would anybody want to demand and ever even bring up something that, you know, would be factually necessary, like proof? None of this. Cross-sex hormones, surgery, puberty blockers, none of it has been shown to even come close to proving that any of these exercises can actually help children overcome gender dysphoria. In fact, in most cases, it's going to do the opposite. Oliverson said that evidence of adverse outcomes for these kind of treatments is growing every day. Risks that include bone, demineralization, abnormalities of brain and cardiovascular development, strokes, blood clots, chronic pain, infertility, and incontinence are known to accompany these treatments for a lifetime. 
Oliverson said that suicide and gender dysphobia are something that the literature got wrong from a very early stage. He said providers, by mistake, or maybe purposely, but anyway, they told parents if they didn't transition their kids, they're going to commit suicide. Can you imagine? Can you imagine someone actually calling you and telling you that over the phone? Democrats coordinated a political attack on this bill. They called points of order on clerical errors and open meeting rules on May 2nd and 5th. That delayed the second reading of the bill until May the 12th. A point of order, what is it? It's a maneuver. Legislations, legislators, bodies around the country use them from time to time. A point of order. In this case, it's used to kill bills in the Texas legislature by forcing them to be corrected and then rescheduled, which could run out the clock on them. Democrat State Rep. James Tolerico called the legislation banning gender modification the most dangerous bill being heard this session. Democrats say the bill would discriminate against trans youth and force parents with gender dysphoric children to leave the state. They also claim gender dysphoria is linked to suicide. Where does gender dysphoria come from? Any idea? It comes from thoughts. So what do you mean? Somebody's making these kids think one thing and not think something else is factual? I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is facts are nowhere part of this entire process. They wouldn't even consider doing these things if they were seeking facts. There is no concrete proof of any kind that any of this surgery, any of this hormone treatment is going to help a single kid other than them thinking, maybe because they cut off my genitals, I shave my Adam's apple down, and I take all these hormones What makes them think they're going to be okay? Truth is, they won't be okay. In fact, the opposite is true. The bill, which is a priority for the Republican Party of Texas, is now up for a final vote in the House today that would send it to Governor Greg Abbott for his signature. Oliverson said last week that Republicans are committed to seeing the bill through without any compromise or amendments. Democrats offered to withdraw one point of order in exchange for his acceptance of an amendment to water down the bill. Oliverson said, ain't going to do it. So do I think that this strategy for the Democrats is one of diminishing returns? And unfortunately, the clock is not in their favor, he said. Ultimately, we're setting ourselves up with a law that is going to withstand any legal challenge that they could possibly mount. During the May 2nd session, Pro-trans protesters disrupted the legislature, prompting Republican Speaker of the House Dade Phelan to order the gallery to be cleared. Scuffles erupted between officers and pro-transgender activists who began chanting loudly, hanging signs over the balcony. Texas Department of Public Safety officers had to remove some protesters and made a couple of arrests. Videos that were posted online showed protesters chanting and obstructing officers trying to clear the Texas Capitol. 
Listen, let me just say that this is, this is insane. It's not like we have nothing going on in our lives that we need to pay attention to. It's nothing like we have nothing to deal with, no lawlessness. We need to ferret out and hold those that are committing these laws, breaking these laws accountable for doing so. It's not like we need to be doing any of that. We got to stop, put everything we're doing on hold. Hold your breath and then just go find a place where you can vote to give them 100% access from our southern border. No matter who they are, what they've done, where they're coming from, no matter about what plans they have in place after they get here, none of that matters to Democrats. They just want them in the country so that Dems can turn them in to voters. It's all about votes. Absolutely all about votes. has nothing to do with substance. It has to do with politics and politics only. Coming up, more news. Oh, my gosh, Dan. You're telling me there's more stuff. It's Monday. It's a new week. Tell me we don't have some more Hunter Biden stuff, more corruption stuff, more facts, more verification. Please tell me that. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you we don't have them. I can't tell you that there's nothing new out there. You know, I can't tell you that. Well, I could tell you that, but I'd be lying to you. There is more out there. We have more to discuss. We'll get right to it in two minutes at TNN Live. How hard is it to unlock your car? Not hard. How hard is it to shut your car door? Not hard. How hard is it to start your car? Not hard. How hard is it to put your seatbelt on? People are still dying in car accidents because they were not wearing a seatbelt, which is stupid because it's not that hard. Smarten up, buckle up. Think road safety. A message from the Government of South Australia. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's biggie bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? DesMoinesHelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month, the one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Daves, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. 
TNN, the Truth News Network. Let me ask you a question. Don't you want to get to the bottom of the reality of what happened regarding Hunter Biden, how it impacted his dad and everybody else in, in the Biden family syndicate? There's so many reports out there, so many things that are being alleged. Let me just say this to you right now. Some of the things you're going to hear from here to whenever this is going to be decided, if it's in a courtroom or if it's in a political election, I don't know what else could be a possible way to get rid of it. But it doesn't matter what happens or how it happens. It still happened. The facts are the same. I'm going to tell you in just a moment what is the latest to come out about Hunter Biden and his wrongdoing, his criminality regarding money, 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 and how it's impacting 16 people, I think, now is the number in the Biden family syndicate. I want to tell you that, but I want to point something out. What you're, the information you're about to hear, if you listened to TNN Live two years ago, three years ago, you would have heard the same things. It's just that now, guess what, accompanies us telling you about it. They have factual evidence to prove it. The Hong Kong Corporation that wired money to Hunter Biden's business way back in 2017, that company was controlled by a Shanghai firm run by members of the Chinese Communist Party, some of who had previously served in the PLA, the People's Liberation Army. On June 30th that year, 2017, Shanghai Wyin Group, Hong Kong Limited, wired $10 million to the Delaware-based company CEFC Infrastructure, which then wired a hundred grand to Hunter Biden's professional corporation, Owasco, on August 4th that year. This is coming from that House Oversight Committee memo that was revealed midweek last week talking about the transfers that were part of an influence peddling scheme. But at the time of the 2017 wire transfer, listen closely, 100% of Shanghai Huan Group Hong Kong Limited's shares were held by a company called CEFC Shanghai International Group Limited. That company was run by a bunch of members of the Communist Chinese Party. Now that's according to a Shanghai Stock Exchange filing way back in 2017. CEFC Shanghai, let's call them that abbreviated. It's also identified as the owner of Shanghai Huawei Group. This is coming from the Homeland Security Committee in the Senate, which further characterized Shanghai Huawei Group Hong Kong as a Chinese state-owned enterprise. The data, the evidence also noted that CEFC Shanghai International Group was controlled by Shanghai Guajin Group, another state-owned enterprise. Furthermore, there's more to this. CEFC Shanghai International Group's director, Su Weizong, who the 2017 Shanghai Stock Exchange filing list is one of its two actual controllers, is herself a Chinese Communist Party member. 
2017 Chinese government article has also identified Su Weizhong as a member of the Discipline Inspection Commission at China Energy Fund Committee, CEFC, which was controlled by the CCP's Discipline Inspection Commission. Now, this is coming from an archived version of China Energy Fund Committee's website. In other words, the document's out there in plain sight. Mainstream media, Biden administration, they want it to be kept hidden. They don't want anybody to see it, but it's out there. The Chinese Communist Party, they tasked this entity, Discipline Inspection Commission, with rooting out wrongdoing among public servants and enforcing loyalty to the party's Central Committee and to General Secretary Xi Jinping. CEFC Shanghai International Group's other actual controller, Jing Jinbin, is not listed as a Chinese Communist Party member, at least in the filings. But CEFC Shanghai International Group's general manager and its legal representative, Li Yong, is also listed as a CCP member in the filings with the Shanghai Stock Exchange. You can't make this stuff up. We could go on and on and on giving you names, verification, documentation. Don't go down that road. It's a rabbit trap. You'll get hung down there. It's not worth it. Here are the facts, the skinnies that you need to understand about this. First, this is real. It really happened. We don't yet know how much money was included in the actual transactions because there are far more to come and probably many that are already out there that we haven't yet been able to get our arms around. This is the tip of the iceberg. And it sent millions of dollars to the Biden family syndicate. And Joe Biden refuses to even have a logical conversation about it, let alone talk about its veracity. He won't even talk about it. Why is that? You know why it is. Doesn't want to take responsibility. Doesn't want to be held accountable. <sighs> My gosh. So in other news, what do we have I want to tell you about? I have so many. Here's how we work here. We work by research. As soon as this show is over, I'll launch for another hour or two. I'll launch investigation to find out if during our two-hour show and prep for it, getting ready for it for you this morning, if any new stuff, very important stuff comes out. Now, we can't catch it all. We have a number of sources. We probably have between 20 and 30 different news sources. And typically what we do is we scan them all when we see stories, we'll go get confirmation of its veracity or it's not true from whatever source it is. In fact, we like to get confirmation from different, two or three different sources that whatever we bring to you for sure is certain before we bring it to you, just so you don't get a spoon-fed confusion, but what you get is a spoon-fed of truth. That's what we're all about here at Truth News Network and TNN Live. Former Trump prosecutor. Now remember this? 
guy that was going to prosecute Donald Trump. He takes the Fifth Amendment in a deposition, a legal deposition, about those very same things. You heard about this guy. His name is Mark Pomerantz. He invoked his Fifth Amendment rights when he was being deposed before the House Judiciary Committee on Friday. He slammed the GOP-led panel's investigation, called it political theater in his opening statement. Pomerantz, who investigated Trump at the Manhattan DA's office, he said he was appearing before the committee as was required because, quote, I respect the rule of law. Before he issued a sharp rebuke of the panel's probe, and disclosing his intent to plead the Fifth Amendment. He said, what I do not respect is the use of the committee's subpoena power to compel me to participate in an act of political theater. That's interesting. This deposition, he said, is for show. I don't believe for a moment I'm here to assist in a genuine effort to enact legislation or conduct legislative oversight. He wasn't through. He said, fortunately, I do not have to cooperate with the cynical histrionics that this deposition represents. Although the rule of law compels me to be here, it does not require that I play the substantive role in your theatrical production. Under the law, I can decline to answer your questions for several reasons. And then Rep. Darrell Issa, who's a Republican from California, he's a member of the Judiciary Committee, he told reporters during the Friday deposition that Pomerantz answered no questions up to that point, calling him an obstructing witness. I've never had a more obstructive and less cooperative witness in my 20 years in Congress, he said. The witness has not cooperated in any way, shape, or form, as simply appeared and I would characterize as taking the fifth on every single question. He said the witness is unwilling to answer any questions, even about previous statements that he made. Representative Dan Goldman, a Democrat from New York, said Pomerantz shouldn't have to appear at all. Today's deposition simply underscored that House Republicans' investigation into Trump's criminal prosecution by a local DA's office has no nexus to Congress's jurisdiction and is simply an effort to abuse the official authority of Congress to undermine the rule of law, interfere in an ongoing prosecution of a private citizen, and harass and badger a public official that's simply carrying out his official duties. So Jim Jordan, Republican member of the House of Representatives, he's also the Judiciary Committee chairman in the House, He's the one that issued the subpoena for Pomerantz last month for testimony that pertains to his work on the probe into hush money payments from former President Trump made in the lead-up to the 2016 presidential election. He said he was surprised at some of Pomerantz's answers, but committee rules don't allow us to go into details. Yeah, naturally. We know there was wrongdoing. We know there was gross misrepresentation, a lot of lying. We know all that kind of stuff. Don't the American people, don't we think, don't we feel that we should get a complete disclosure on all these matters? A grand jury that was impaneled by Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg indicted Trump back in March on 34 criminal charges related to those payments. Trump, of course, pled not guilty. 
Pomerantz resigned from the Trump investigation in February a year ago because he disagreed with Bragg's reluctance to try to indict Trump. In his resignation letter, which was published, by the way, we played it here for you. We put it up on our site for you to see. Pomerantz said he thought Trump was guilty of numerous felony convictions, violations, and called the disinclination to charge the former president misguided and completely contrary to the public interest. Three House GOP chairmen, a trio of them, including Jordan, launched an investigation into Bragg back in March before the historic charges were announced, but after Trump predicted he would be arrested. Republicans have argued that the charges against Trump are politically motivated. Like everything in government is not politically motivated. Bragg sued Jordan in April. He sued to attempt to block Pomerantz from having to comply with his subpoena and come testify before the House. The lawsuit slammed Jordan's investigation has a transparent campaign to intimidate and attack the DA's work. A judge later ruled that Pomerantz would have to appear. Now, if a judge came forward and said, you got to show up, buddy, for work, why is it bad? Why is it evil? Why is it unconstitutional and a violation of personal rights to demand this information come out of this guy's mouth sworn in a court of law. You and I both know it's not ridiculous. It should be in place for every one of these kind of interviews we do, but especially for those of us that live outside of this country. Too many things can go wrong, right? When Pomerantz gave his opening statement, he wrote that we're gathered here because Donald Trump's supporters would like to use these proceedings to try to obstruct and undermine the criminal case pending against him and to harass, intimidate, and discredit anyone who investigates or charges him. Like these people can read tea leaves. They know what's in the palm of Donald Trump's hand. They know everything. You and I are bleebs, not plebes, but bleebs. We don't even deserve to be called plebs. They're the enlightened ones, the sole enlightened ones on our planet, and their opinions, those are the only ones that matter. Nobody else's opinions matter because they got it all figured out. Some more news. News keeps popping up throughout the morning. The latest stuff over the weekend happening regarding our southern border crisis. One Arizona border city has released hundreds of unprocessed migrants onto the streets of Yuma as authorities struggle with a surge in arrivals. The mayor of Yuma called on population to stay calm after the end of Title 42. It's changing every town, every city, every institution across our nation. And most of them, and even some of the other groups and operations, foundations, et cetera, that I didn't even name, many of them don't even know what's going on, have made no attempt to become informed through the weekend. Almost 300 newly arrived migrants were released by officials in Yuma, Arizona, Friday 
And that illustrates how border cities are struggling to cope with a huge surge of arrivals in just the past week. It coincided with the end of Title 42 and the lifting of a Trump-era restriction designed to prevent a spread of COVID-19. What's in that drug that has been created sufficient to let our buddy pick up the phone and call and explain to us what's going on? In fact, if I can't get Peter on the phone, I'll send him a text and see if I can get him to call in. Customs and Border Patrol have been holding as many as 28,000 migrants at its facilities, far beyond the capacity. You know, that legal capacity that a jail or any kind of law enforcement facility is supposed to adhere to. Law in this thing doesn't matter. What's right with it doesn't matter either. Those on the left want to have the unilateral authority, permission, and opportunity to make all of the decisions, and every one of their decisions must be based on one thing and one thing only. Let these people into our nation. If you get that done, we'll go tackle and do the heavy lifting. We're going to take care of getting the U.S.'s illegal policies implemented in every way. Wouldn't it be nice as we are beginning to talk to these very important, powerful people in government around the world? We should have our dots taken care of, our T's crossed, our I's dotted. I don't know about you, but I definitely think that's a, a prerequisite for getting going. Find facts. Talk about facts. We may not personally be able to do any of this stuff that we feel like we need to do, but we can, at worst, talk about it. Talk to people who know and love us. Talk to people we know and love. Ask them questions. Be kind. Be nice. And just find out where they stand on these issues. Their strength in numbers. The more people that are like-minded, the more the chances are that a specific piece of legislation that goes along with the thought processes of these people gets passed. Maybe Joe Biden doesn't get to uh, just write another executive order and cram it down the Americans' throats. Maybe he has to begin to abide by the rule of law. He sure hasn't yet made one single attempt to do that, has he? Well, maybe he's putting unleaded gas in his car instead of the old uh, clunker gas that we talked about before we went live this morning. Oh, well. Life in the fast lane, right? So Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, U.S. Senator from Texas. I know you, you understand and you know that he's at the southern border. He's down there supporting Customs and Border Patrol people. National Guard members that have been sent down there to help out by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And so he took to, not a podium, but to a microphone yesterday. And he had one thing to say. It was actually a question. Why is this happening? What's going on and why is it happening? 
So, you want to hear Alejandro Mayorkas's answer? Why is it going on the way it's going on? Well, one news person put a spin on the question, and Mayorkas answered. What did he answer with? You're not going to believe this. The truth of the matter is, just this week, we're seeing record numbers of illegal crossings at the border. In the last year, almost 2 million arrests, another record at the border. Why has the problem gotten so much worse just in this last year or two? I would say I would say two things. First, let's not surrender uh, to the fact that we have a broken immigration system. Congress needs to act. Let's let's fix it. It's been a problem that everyone agrees on uh, for more than two decades. Number one. Yeah, here we go. The first part of the Biden blame game on immigration is to blame Congress. Number two, the challenge that we are seeing at our southern border is not unique to our southern border. It is a surge in migration, a surge in the displacement of people all across our region in Latin America, and not only in our hemisphere, around the world. We are seeing more displaced people now than we have at any time since World War II. But why is it this last year? Why record crossing? Some have suggested it's because the impression that is out there is that it will be easier under President Biden to cross into the country, that the consequences are less severe than they would have been under President Trump or even under President Obama. Why is the problem so intense right now? Well, uh, a few factors. Uh, Poverty, violence, corruption, authoritarian regimes. Right, because we've never seen poverty, violence, corruption, or authoritarian regimes over the years before Biden came into office. The COVID-19 pandemic, uh, extreme weather events, the causes of displacement are many, number one. And number two, we are also combating smuggling organizations that spread false information, that spread lies to intending migrants, uh, deceiving them into thinking that the border is open. And those who come seeking asylum, we should immediately have the capacity to absorb them, keep them safe until they can be heard. A 15 second, if you could, if you wish to answer, should someone who is here without documents, and that is his only offense, should that person be deported. That person should not be the focus of deportation. We should fundamentally change the way we deal with them. Deceiving them into thinking that the border is open, and it is not, and it has not been. It is not open, and it has not been open. This man, Alejandro Mayorkas, and of course the president, you just heard him when he was campaigning, talking about, oh, we can't put these people on the streets. We've got to let them come into the United States. We have a moral obligation to do that. We can't turn them away. Mayorkas, it's Congress's fault. They didn't give us enough money. We need more money. Oh, by the way, they need to write some new legislation because the old legislation they passed when Joe Biden was in the Senate and he voted for it, those old pieces of legislation don't work anymore. And As he said, I'm quoting him, everybody knows this. The problem is everybody doesn't know it because it doesn't exist. There's only one reason and one reason only this is happening. It's to build a 
permanent political class that is controlled 100% by Democrat Party members today, next year, the year after, and in perpetuity. They want to do it so aggressively, so quickly, so powerfully, that even when Republicans get control one more time, it'll be too far gone for them to make any changes to stop this creation of Democrat voters in the millions coming into this nation illegally, becoming citizens or at least given the right to vote in presidential and off-season elections. That's what this whole thing is about. Screw the rule of law. Forget about it. It doesn't matter anymore. Why? Because they don't like it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to have to deal with it. It's not their responsibility. It's somebody else's. We don't like it, so why don't we just walk away from it and act like it's not there? That's exactly what they're doing. They're not enforcing the laws, have no intention to, and they're not being held accountable for doing just that. Do I dislike Joe Biden? I don't know the man. I've never met him. It's not that I dislike him. I abhor his unwillingness to enforce the rule of law, something that he made very clear to every American when he took his oath of office he was going to do. Protect the United States. That means keep from happening what's happening now that began over the weekend, and it's going to continue for a good time, a good period of time. That has nothing to do with liking or not liking Joe Biden. It has to do with loving the freedom that comes and is guaranteed in the United States Constitution for everybody who performs and lives legally here in the United States. That's not what's at issue here. They don't want to consider the law. Mayorkas, he thinks it's Congress's fault because they won't go in and blow up existing federal immigration laws and redo them in the fashion that he thinks is the right way when the laws very plainly say and have been implemented and in place for decades. Here's what we're going to do and here's why we're going to do it and here's how we're going to do it. That is lost on Joe Biden and it's lost on Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. There's more in the air that's really important for us to be considering on this. Yeah, this southern border thing, it, it has exploded. It is a crisis. It's not better, it's worse, and it's not going to get better anytime soon unless something changes. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Biden doesn't want to change anything. He wants the same kind of results but he wants one thing that he just can't get, the support of the American people for his flooding the nation, taking away our infrastructure, stealing our jobs, and bringing with them, not all of them, but many of them, many, many, many of them, egregious criminal history that we don't know about. Many of these people have been here before, been deported or left on their own volition, and they were criminals before they're criminals again. There's more than 
these things we need to talk about. Ted Cruz, as I said, again, he's down at the southern border. I want you to hear from him next. He's talking about some really important stuff that's going on that it's just kind of been thrown to the curb the last few days by the southern border crisis. Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope. It's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Wee! Wee, wee, wee! 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 Max. Wee, wee, wee! Yeah? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies, available wherever fine candies are sold. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. As I'm sure you know, we are back to our regular time for live airing of TNN Live every Monday through Friday. It's back to 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. We're here today, same time, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time this morning. We'll be back at that same time tomorrow and every day, as a matter of fact. Of course, if you miss any live broadcast, you can grab it very easily. If you have an iPhone... Your iPhone comes preloaded with what's called an iPod Cast Act. It's an app. It's kind of a, a pink app. You'll see it. It comes preloaded. Click on that if you haven't already found our show when it turns into a podcast after each live show. And enter in the search bar, open quotation marks, capital T-N-N, live, exclamation point, and close quotation marks, and then click search. My Ugly Mug will come up. That's the homepage of TNN Live. And if you scroll down, the latest podcast is already up at the top. That's the first one. And if you want to see previous shows, you just scroll down from there. Every show we've ever done since we began doing TNN Live three years ago is there. You can keep scrolling and find them all. We've got some really good a podcast in our rearview mirrors, Dr. Judy Mikovits. That's just one. Dunstan Teo, four different times. Uh, Steve Baker with his 
weekly reports that he does with us in our second hour on Tuesday. By the way, he'll be a day later this week because of things going on in Washington that he's involved in, but he will be here in our second hour on Wednesday. That's 10 to 11 a.m. Central Time. And you can go back and get any of his previous podcasts. He brings a lot of information to the table whenever he's with us, either live or in our podcast. So take advantage. Here's what I would do. If you're going to be in your car for a while, you don't have to listen. I don't expect everybody to listen live to two solid straight hours of what we do on this show. But it's a great thing in the podcast format to just grab it and listen to it maybe in your car, maybe when you're sitting at your desk at the office and you're working, doing some other things, and you've got 30 or 45 minutes that you can, as you're doing the other work things, you can listen to the at least part of the podcast. It's a good way to catch up and stay caught up on the important things that we all need to know. Getting our arms around the truth. I mean, that's all this is about, and I know you're really darn good at doing that. I just want to remind you, don't ever miss a show. You can always get it. I told you, Ted Cruz down at the border. And he's down at the border, but this time he's not talking about our crisis, our immigration illegal crossing crisis down there. He's talking about something else that is very, very important. And that's getting this debt limit debacle resolved. President Joe Biden, they with their policies and their spending bills, they put us deeper in debt than we've ever been. And they're in a place where they can't borrow any more money. They need more money. Well, we can just stop them from doing any more new stuff. That's not what they need more money for. They can't pay the bills for the old things that they've done. They don't have enough money to do it, need to borrow some more money, and they have eclipsed the existing debt limit. They can't borrow any more money. So it's got to be lifted. Constitutionally, who handles that? It's the House of Representatives. It's a revenue initiator. By constitutional regulation, that has to happen and begin in the House of Representatives. So for weeks and weeks, actually months, Joe Biden made it very clear that when it was time to put a bill together to raise the debt limits, he demanded that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and House Republicans who were in control, they have the majority in the House, don't even think about bringing me a debt limit increase that has a bunch of restrictions in it. I want a blank check. Ted Cruz talked about that down at the southern border with great wisdom. You know, every once in a while, even Senator Ted Cruz comes up with some very important things to say. This is really important. Well, thank you, Hoven. Let me say, I'm from Texas. This is bloody cold right now. (laughs) And it may be a sign that hell is frozen over. Because what we've seen in Washington is we've seen Republicans come together united. I'm here today to praise the Republican majority in the House of Representatives. They came together, they stood as one, and they passed a serious bill that avoids a default on our debt and that makes serious steps to reining in the out-of-control spending and the debt that is bankrupting our kids and grandkids. 
If you're at home and you're sick and tired of the inflation that is making life harder each and every day, you're tired of paying more at the grocery store, you're tired of paying more in rent, you're tired of paying more at the gas pump. It was caused by trillions of dollars of spending from out-of-control Democrats, and the House majority has stood up and led and said, we've got to rein that back in for the working families who are hurting across this country. Senate Republicans are here today standing shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder united with House Republicans. And I have to say the behavior of President Biden to date on this issue has been wildly reckless and irresponsible. Biden's position has been, up until two days ago, he would not negotiate, he would not compromise, he wouldn't even sit down and talk. That was obviously unreasonable. And Biden was doing more than that. He was threatening default of the debt. He was playing roulette with the American economy. Let me be clear, there is one man on planet Earth and one man only who can ensure we do not default on our debt. His name is Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And here's what a responsible president would say. He would stand up and say, America will never, ever, ever default on our debt. Every month, federal tax revenues exceed cost for the interest of the debt. If the president said we won't default on our debt, we wouldn't. But there's a reason Biden is not saying that. He wants to scaremonger. He wants to scare the stock market. He wants to scare the bond markets. He's counting on the corporate media to echo his scaremongering. But I've got very simple advice on who President Joe Biden should listen to. President Joe Biden should listen to Vice President Joe Biden. In 2011, when Republicans in the House stood strong on the debt ceiling, again, because Democrats had had majority of the Congress for two years, had passed trillions in irresponsible spending, and Republicans stood strong and said, we will not raise the debt ceiling without serious fiscal reform. What happened? Then-Vice President Joe Biden came and negotiated a deal, a deal called the Budget Control Act that was designed to cut $2.3 trillion in spending. It was the most significant federal spending reform in modern times. That happened because Barack Obama blinked and Biden, Vice President Biden, sat down with House Republicans and reached a meaningful compromise. President Joe Biden needs to do the same thing. And I'll say, sadly, the reason he hasn't so far, I believe, is because his mental faculties are too diminished right now to do what he did in 2011, to sit down and actually work together on a solution to the problems. And what we're left with is a bunch of young staffers in the White House, radical children, who are perfectly willing to risk a default on the debt because they have no appreciation of the chaos and misery and damage a default would do. We should not default on our debt but the present path we're on is unsustainable. And Joe Biden needs to come to the table. And I will say, it is a major victory for America that the day before yesterday, Biden finally blinked and said, okay, I'll sit down and talk. That's the first step. Now, the second step is let's solve the problem. With that, let's open it up to questions. If, uh, McCarthy and Biden sit down are having what McCarthy and 
conversations. Is there a, a, an openness to doing anything short term on the debt limit to let those conversations, like you've done on spending before, we don't have come to. to a conclusion? We don't have to. We can reach a resolution here. I believe the resolution is going to be a compromise. But for there to be a compromise, the radical Democrats have to be willing to compromise. To date, they have not been willing to do so. They created this problem. And they have not demonstrated any willingness to be part of solving it. Look, I can tell you a, a short-term extension, a clean debt ceiling, is not going to pass Congress. That is a solution that the White House has fever dreams of, but it's not going to pass Congress, nor should it, because doing that would be disregarding our constituents at home who are hurting, who are facing the consequences of this uncontrolled spending. Just forget about doing the right thing. You know, forget about enforcing federal immigration law. You don't have to do that. Democrats don't want to do it. Just go along with them. Just give Joe Biden a blank check and let him just borrow as much as he wants to borrow and just keep on doing that. That's what we're supposed to do. We elect presidents, let them do whatever they want to do. Forget about the Constitution. Forget about what's best for the American people and oh, by the way, what the Americans want. It's a wrap, folks. Thanks for sharing Monday with us here. Back tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Central, 9 to 11 at TNN Live. You guys have a wonderful day. See you tomorrow.